don't want you guys to hear my conversation. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 19. And as you're turning there, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about it, that this is uh, Memorial Weekend, and I want to have you stand, and we had two veterans in the current listed talk about it, so uh, if you are a veteran or a current listed in our armed forces, would you stand so we can applaud you for this Memorial Day weekend? Go ahead, guys. There we go. Thanks. Psalm 119, we're going to start in verse 105. If you're using one of the Bibles located in the chairs there, it's going to be on page 514. I want to start our minds thinking this morning. I want to tell you a little story about when I was at camp. When I worked at camp up in northern Michigan, the great white north. I always tell people that after seeing the snow here, I have to use a broom because I don't want to hurt my shovel's feelings. And you just need to respect your shovel, okay? But, but when I was at camp for those six years of college and then seminary, one tool that I always had with me was my big flashlight. I had a 2D cell mag light that I used to keep the order and to keep the peace. My nickname was the hammer because I brought the law and I was really good at curfew. Like really good at enforcing curfew. But as a part of that, it's a big camp. The camp that I worked at had about 850 acres up in northern Michigan and so I had a golf cart. And when I was doing curfew in the middle of the night, when I was doing the things that needed to get done as the hammer, I needed to see where I was going. No lights on there. And so here I am buzzing along in my golf cart. And sometimes, the times when I realized that I most needed my flashlight is when I forgot it and had to drive by light of cell phone or, this is even better, if I didn't have that on me, I would drive by the moonlight because where the road was, there were no trees. And so if you followed the tree line, you could drive your golf cart. And I always drove it slow those nights. Those of you who are youth and maybe want to think that I drove really fast those nights, no, I would never, ever do that. Um, you impressionable youth. But, but you realize how much you need a light when you're driving in the dark. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the psalm, by the way, the, probably the most famous verse is this week. You know, for all you Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith fans, this is your stanza. If you were a Christian in the 80s, you got that. Um, but God's word is referred to as a light. And it's when we're in darkness and we're traveling along in darkness that we understand our great need 
for a light. We understand that as we travel, as we walk through our Christian life, there are going to be times when it's dark. And we're going to need a light to show us where to go. It's an incredibly simple metaphor, but I think if we allow it, it will really impact how we live. That again, as we are on this journey that is the Christian life, a lifelong journey, not a few seconds, not a few days, but Lord willing, years and decades. If we're going to make it, if we're going to persevere, if we're going to live in a way that glorifies God, we need a light to guide our steps. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you're following along in your bulletin, our big idea is this, that God's word guides us through a lifetime of following Jesus. Because again, the Christian life is not just a decision you made when you were younger. That's the beginning. That's the starting line. But the Christian life is a lifelong marathon. And we need a light. And we need God's word to guide us through that lifetime of following Jesus. And we're going to see that today in this stanza in three paths. First, we're going to see the path of commitment, the path of worship, and the path of perseverance. And how we need God's word to guide us on each of those paths as we follow Jesus. So let's begin there. First, looking again, if you're following along in your outline, point number one there, God's word shows us the path of commitment. Verses 105 and 106. Follow along as I read. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Again, as we've already mentioned, God's word is likened to a lamp, a light, a flashlight, whatever word you want to put in there. But the question that we need to first ask is, why does he need light in the first place? Why does he need God's word to be a light to his path? Why do any of us ever need light? Because there's darkness. Again, at the risk of being overly simple here, we need to begin with this idea that we are living in a world of darkness. Throughout your Bible, the idea of darkness, to help us understand evil and living in a world that has been broken by sin, that's the world in which we live. And if we live in a dark world, a world affected in every way by sin, we need a light. And here again, it it almost seems too basic, but the fact that you need God's word will change your life. It's not that, that this is just, you know, if you get around to it, 
you might learn something nice and you might read a fun story. And wouldn't that be great? (laughs) But no, you need this because we live in a dark and fallen and wicked world. In Matthew chapter 14, just to give you an example of this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, which is a quotation itself of Isaiah 9, says this, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus is that light, that righteousness, that holiness, that goodness. And he has invaded the world of darkness. And he has given us his word to shine light into our lives so that we can follow him confidently and obediently. And again, part of what we need to see here is the necessity I want you to think about it. if you're if you're walking in and just again we'll pick a simple metaphor if you're walking in your house maybe you're like me and you're getting up with one child I'll talk to him later but getting up in the middle of the night because that child apparently is needs to eat and he can't wait till breakfast that boy is going to eat me out of house and home but as I get up if I don't want to step on the toys that the other one left if I don't want to bump into every piece of furniture on my way to the baby's room, I need to turn a light on. If we're going to walk in a way after Jesus, if we're going to follow him, we need a light to see where all the furniture and all the toys are so we don't step on them, so we don't stub our toes. We need it. We need God's word in our lives. To follow Jesus. Another quick metaphor. I want you to think about this. Living your life without the light of God's word is like driving at night without your headlights on. It's not exactly safe, is it? You know, if someone, if someone was you know, speeding down the highway here and they didn't have their lights on and they crashed, could they really be surprised? Be like, you know, I didn't think that was going to happen. And we would all be like, oh, yeah, that totally took you out of nowhere. You know, I never would have thought that you would have crashed if you didn't have your lights on. No, we would never think that. We would be like, what are you doing? Turn your lights on. And I think we need to say the same things to ourselves. Turn your light on. And, and why do you think that you can just run through life without God's word? And God's word can't give light. Again, to borrow this light metaphor, if you don't turn your flashlight on. And one of the challenges that we need to see throughout this whole psalm is regularly immersing ourselves in God's word. Now, I want to take I want to take a brief moment and I want to talk about your Bible with you. Okay? Cuz I get this question a lot. And I want to give you just some practical advice on reading your Bible, okay? So, Norm, go ahead. 
Go ahead and put up that slide there. Okay. Here's what I say to help you stay in the word. Because sometimes we read things and we don't know what they mean. They're hard to understand. And so what I like to tell people is have two Bibles. Two different versions. Two English versions. Or if you speak another language, I guess that's okay. But if you, if you speak English, I suggest two Bibles. So let me give you from group A there. Let's start with group A. So the English Standard Version, that's what we use here in the morning. And the other one that is similar to it is the New American Standard Bible. If you've been a Christian uh, for a while, you might have that. That came out in 1972, ESV in 2001. What I think is good, number one, it's good to have one of those because you could follow along very easily with what I preach from. What I suggest also is that if you have one of those, that you pair it with one from Group B, the NIV, and they just came out with a new version in 2011, or if you don't like that version, you can go with the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And what you can do is have two good translations in front of you to help you maybe understand a tough verse if one is more clear in another translation. I've included Group C there and the New Living Translation, and what I find really helpful with that translation is if you are a brand new believer or you want to do devotions with your kids. That's a great Bible for that. But again, having two Bibles from from one of those translations, I think those are some of the best translations we have right now in the church. And, And again, having two helps you to study. And, and if you don't understand it in one, you'll probably understand it in the other. So I want to give that advice. Some of you have asked about that, what I think about that. You just got my opinion, so God bless you with that. Um, but the biggest part, and, and let me say this on top of all of this, the best Bible you can own is the one you'll actually read. So, <laughs> but if you want my opinion, pick one of those. So, Part of this, part of the reason I'm talking about this is I want to help you be in your Bible. Okay? The reason I give those multiple translations is because sometimes when we read and we don't understand something, we get so frustrated, we just give it up. So that's one of the reasons to have two English translations. That's another reason to invest in a good study Bible. That sometimes you come to a hard place and you want to know, you need help. And I want you to get help instead of giving up. Because the important thing, again, is to turn our flashlights on. The important thing is to regularly spend time in God's word so that we actually know it. And I think that's something we need to pay attention to. Go back to the the verses, Norm. I'm done with that slide. But... Right after, in verse 106, the psalmist helps us to understand why we need God's word to stay committed. Look at verse 106. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I want you to see in verse 106 this this verse of commitment here. This promise being made before God himself that, God, I will not forget your rules. I will be committed to them. I will be committed to obedience. And to be committed to something, you actually have to know it. 
right? I mean, you can't be committed to something you don't know. You can't be committed to a person you don't know. Right? If you're committed to someone you don't know, you're not actually committed. And through God's word, we know God. We know what he's like. We know what he wants for our lives. And that, that fruit of commitment is obedience. Again, and we're always careful when we talk about this, that we don't think that we earn God's favor through obedience, but you demonstrate commitment through obedience. That when we keep God's rules and God's commands, that that obedience is the fruit of commitment to God. And I think that the best way I think the best way for that commitment, again, the fruits, the fruits of that relationship of, with Jesus, that our commitment is marked by obedience, especially in our decision-making. Again, as we talk about in verse 105, that God is guiding our path, that God's word illuminates the path in front of us so that we can take the next step. That, that this commitment works itself out in actually using God's word to make decisions. And, and, and so the big one, as, as we think about that, how do I make decisions using God's word? Well, the first one is this. It's always the right decision to be obedient. So if God's word says, do this and not that, it's always the right decision to do this and not that. Okay, let's just start there. Okay? Always good to do what's right versus sinning. Okay, we get that. Okay, the next one is asking questions like, will God be pleased with my decision? And we see from God's word what pleases him and what displeases him. Another question, will this decision help me to grow in being a follower of Jesus? Again, using what we know God wants for us through his word, using that to really make decisions, and not just sort of what we come up with on the fly, which if we're honest with ourselves, we do way too much. I want to give you one more example of a good question for decision-making. Will this decision help me to love my neighbor or my brother and sister in Christ? And let me tell you that God's word has revealed answers to all those questions. But again, we actually have to use and know God's word to make those decisions. That we actually turn the flashlight on and decide using God's word. We also see in verse 106 that the path of commitment is a long journey. And this is tough. I think we live in a world where so many things are just disposable. Friendships can even be disposable. Marriages can even be disposable. Disposable. 
And so our culture wants to build in us the idol of instant gratification. That I need to know everything now. That I need to get what I want right now. And our culture does not want us to be committed for the long haul. But the psalmist here, he says, I make an oath. I make this promise before God for lifelong obedience. And that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that that's not the end, that's just the beginning. And if you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you're not just signing up for, for that moment. You're signing up for a life of discipleship for the rest of your life. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you are making an oath of allegiance to the God of the universe. That this oath only ends when we meet Jesus face to face. And, and, and we see through this that we need God's word because it's a lifelong thing and that there's no retirement in the Christian life. You never retire from serving God with everything he has given you. And, and we're not going to make it if we don't hang on to God's word. Because we'll just be blindly bumbling around. <laughs> and so through God's word, we can be committed we can live a life of commitment. God's word shows us what that looks like and empowers us to do so as it shows us who God is and how much he loves us and how he sent his son to die for us. But God's word also shows us the path of worship. Look at verses 107 to 108. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I want to start with verse 108 and then go back to 107. In verse 108, he prays that God would accept his sacrifice of worship. Or as in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, a sacrifice of praise. And that the psalmist is going to help us understand that God empowers and informs how we worship God through his word. But I want you to notice something, that it's using sacrificial language. Look at verse 108 again. Accept my free will offerings of praise. This is sacrificial language. And let me share a fact with you about sacrifice. There's no such thing as a half sacrifice. Okay, I want you to think about that. You know, let's say you've got your sheep. I'm going there. And you see, so you got Fluffy. And we'll name the sheep Fluffy. You cannot half-sacrifice Fluffy. Okay, just, just think about that from a logical perspective. He is either sacrificed or not sacrificed. Right? You don't half-sacrifice an animal. It's either alive or dead. Right? And I think this helps us understand, first of all, the holistic nature of worship. 
that God wants every bit of our lives, including our singing, but not limited to our singing, but that God's word, God's word helps us understand that our actions are not just actions, but they are actions of worship. That when we sing, we're not just singing because we like singing or because we like to hear other people sing or other people play the guitar or whatever. We are worshiping the God of the universe. Every action we do does not just affect us, but every action can and should be directed to the glory of God. And that needs to shine a new light on how we live. That your actions matter. That your actions are directed to God either in rebellion or worship. And again, we see the need to be informed on how we should worship God, how we should act in obedience to God as an act of worship. Because an action is either rebellion or worship. And that... And that God's word helps us to enhance our worship. That it calls us to a higher thing. Because sometimes I think we limit what worship is. Or we make it dependent on how we're feeling at the moment. And here's why we can't do that. Look at verse 107. Okay, so right before talking about worship, look at verse 107. Look at the context. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. When, when God's word informs our worship, we can worship him in the midst of terrible affliction and pain. When our worship is informed and motivated by God's very word, it doesn't matter if I'm feeling in pain or not, or I'm being afflicted. I can persevere in worship. And if we're honest with ourselves, because those are the times where we don't want to, that when we're experiencing pain and affliction, we want to draw back. Maybe you want to draw back from the church as a whole. Maybe you just want to be left alone in your house. Maybe some of you feel that sometimes. But it's, it's in the pain. It's through understanding our pain and God's word that we can enter into worship even in the midst of terrible bone-breaking pain. And, and when we do that, when we are obedient to worship in the midst of affliction, I think that's when God can bring us relief from the pain in our worship. I don't know if you've ever been there where you can almost better express the pain you're experiencing in worship. 
where as we gather as a corporate body to use that example of corporate worship, that, that those are the times where we can cry out to God in the worst pain. Let me give you a personal example here. One of my favorite songs, and this was even played at our wedding, is Before the Throne of God Above. Let me read you the first four lines. I won't read a lot, but let me read you the first four lines. It says this, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. And this this text is based off of, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, And in those verses, God tells us that we have a sympathetic high priest in Jesus Christ who pleads for his people and that through Jesus, we can take our prayers to the very throne room of God. And as I understand those verses and as I sing that particular song, again, informed by God's word and in some ways based on God's Word, that those are the times where I can find relief from affliction. That I can worship even in pain instead of pulling back from God and his people. And that through God's word, we are told to enter into worship with God's people no matter the circumstances because when we worship God, when we come together as God's people, that's when we find life and sometimes relief from the pain. But I can sing those words without thinking about the Bible. I can sing any of the words that we sing without giving them a second thought. And I won't find the joy and the relief that God has promised. We need to let God's word guide us in our worship. Guide us to deeper worship, enhanced worship as we worship him. But also that that how we worship is directed to God. And that everything we do is an act of worship in and of itself. Let me give you another example of God's word leading you into worship. And it's sort of a, it's a theme throughout your Bible where God's throne room is described. Let me give you one example. This is from Revelation chapter 4. And this is a place in your Bible that you can go to to help you understand who it is you're worshiping and why it's important and why our God is the only one who deserves worship. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 4. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And the day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. That God has given us parts of his scripture that are meant to show us his glory, which drives us to worship him. But if you don't turn your flashlight on, you'll never read that. And you'll never understand what we're doing. And you might think when we pray, we just sort of say words up into the air and they get stopped by the ceiling. But God's word can lead us into worship. Finally, the third path. God's word leads us down the path of perseverance. Let me read verses 109 to 112. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I want to make a bold statement here. I want you to think of any longtime believer that you respect who has persevered in their faith and is worthy to be imitated. And I guarantee that that person loves God's word. I've never met someone who has persevered over the long haul, who is worthy to be imitated and followed, who does not love God's word. But why do we need God's word to persevere? Well, from verse 109, we see that circumstances are trying to lead me away. Verse 109, I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. That, that even in the darkest circumstances where he is tempted to run away from God and his word, he stays faithful. Mark 4 Verse 16 and 17 says this, And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. That Jesus recognized that when affliction comes, you will be tempted to run away from God and his word. So what do we do? How do we shine God's word into that situation where we are tempted to run as far away from God as we can because we are in pain? It's those times where we, where we stand on the promises of God. Where because we have actually opened up our Bibles, we know that God has made promises to always be with us and to always protect us. 
that no matter the circumstances, God will be there. We have Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has promised he will always be with us, no matter the circumstances. And so in the midst of affliction, in the midst of pain, in the midst of being attacked, we stand on the promises of God because we know he will never leave us nor forsake us so we can persevere and endure. Next we see that people are trying to lead me astray. Verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. That as we walk along the Christian life, that there are people who are against the gospel so much so that they will try to lead us astray. Again, Jesus talked about this. Let me read from Matthew 24. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And again, we need, to, we need to stand on the promises of God's word so that we can endure even when people are trying to pull us away from Jesus. Places like John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That God has promised that he is with us and that he is bigger than any attacker. And he is bigger than any person who wants us to leave and reject Jesus. We can endure because Jesus has promised to protect us and because he has overcome all powers. And lastly, we persevere because when we persevere, we find joy. Look at verses 111 and 112. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. That as God's word shows us that path of endurance and perseverance, that the promise, the reward of perseverance is joy. And we've seen this again and again, that joy and true life is only found through God. And the promise to those who persevere is hope, joy, and eternal life. And again, we can, we can live on those promises. We say, God, I can endure now because you have promised me joy and life eternal. You've promised me that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers or the one who overcomes or perseveres, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. God's word, when we read it, we see the future blessing that is 
that is for those who believe in Jesus Christ. I can endure because my God has promised the perfect ending. And you don't know about the perfect ending unless you read what God has said about it. Friends, let me wrap up briefly here. That again, we, we want to see that God has given the gift of his word to guide us through a lifetime of following Jesus. That, that through his word, through the promises in there, through the wisdom that is in there, God guides us and empowers us in our lifelong commitment. Again, we're not in it for the short term. This is not a sprint. And so we need support. We need a guide to run the marathon. And that, that through his word, we understand that the, the joy that comes in persevering in that marathon. But friends, we need to, we need to turn our lights on. We need to turn our flashlight on. We need to know what God has said and what God has promised. And he's revealed that in his word. We need to take advantage of the gift we have so that we can follow Jesus, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that you have given us to be a light in the darkness. That you've given us your word to show us what it means to be committed to you, to empower us in that commitment. God, that you've given us your word to help us understand that you alone deserve worship and that every aspect of our being is meant to worship you with every action. And God, that, that you would empower us through your word to persevere to the end. That no matter the circumstances, no matter the people trying to pull us away from you, that through understanding your word and from reading your word, we would stay faithful, that we would understand the promises you have made that you will not break, and that we would persevere and find joy in a lifelong commitment to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.